When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on gift expectations for your partner's family, politely turning down sweets from a coworker, how to handle multiple people making requests of the smart speaker at once, and holiday tipping for housekeepers. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about planning a friend's baby shower and asking for assistance from their family members. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript where we discuss spoons from the wonderful book of The Rituals of Dinner by Margaret Visser. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And... I have to start off today's show by saying, Lizzie Post, thank you for your patience with me this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I came in hot. I came in hot. I don't have a lot of time. We got to we got to we got to get our time slot scheduled and stick to it. I've got so much to do today. And then who wasn't ready to record when that moment arrived? It's okay. It was funny. (laughs) It gave me some good entertainment while I while I sat and picked through the script. But I'm I'm I am glad we figured out a way to get you on on the mic and with headphones when your headphones had driven off today. So So to bring um, everyone up to speed. Yeah, Dan, Dan, Dan was missing his headphones and they're in a car that's currently getting snow tires put on it. So maybe not up to speed, but down to speed. There you go. There you go. That was the short version. But as I'm running around looking for these headphones, Lizzie is on. Um, she, she can, I can hear her in my ear, but the family that I'm running around as I'm like flipping over laundry baskets and looking behind couch cushions <laughs> can hear me and my half of the conversation and not Lizzie's. And Anisha looks up at me and, and I sort of enlisted her aid. Anisha, I'm looking for my headphones. Can you help me find them? <laughs> and all Lizzie hears is, are you recording a podcast? <laughs> From Anisha. Yeah. Are you recording a podcast, Dad? It was very cute. Well, I appreciated her offer to help and your patience. And that still didn't find those headphones because I am pretty sure they're in that car. And you were also very patient walking me through using FaceTime on the computer so we could figure out other ways to do this. And Oh, Dan, Dan, I'm going to ask you to quiet yourself now. We're going to redirect the conversation before the audience finds out just how non-computer skilled you are. <laughs> it's so true. In some ways, I'm... <laughs> very adept and in other ways like yeah, anybody you're like our IT guy half the time <laughs> and when those gaps Sorry. appear they um <laughs> they feel very significant 
Anyway, it's okay. It was a, it was a lovely morning puttering around and also listening to the the chaos on the other end. I'm glad someone was enjoying it. You know, I've had coffee. It's a good morning. Taylor Swift released a new album last night. I'm a happy girl. Like, yes, I already downloaded and listened to the whole thing on the walk with Sunny this morning. I know you were in um, such a good mood when I called you or yeah. you called this morning. Well, I, I was, and also I was I was in a good mood because last night I got a night with my parents, and they are my my people that I can see based on our our orders here in Vermont, and so it was really nice. I got to decorate the tree with them, but Yay. what was really funny is when I walked in, I I was late um, walking into the evening, and they had um, started a wine tasting online with one of our local restaurants, Trattoria Delia. It was really cool because when I walked in, the face I saw on the screen was that of our senator. And it was just wonderful to see him in a social capacity participating on a Zoom call for the subject of Italian wines and enjoying Italian wines and some antipasti with 56 other people. (laughs) And um, it was delightful. It was really fun. Fun. It was really easy to participate well on that 56-person call. Mm-hmm. I was floored at how great all of it was. The, the wines were fabulous, and the, the little antipasties that they sent were, were awesome. We actually delayed our dinner because we had enjoyed eating all the little nibbles so much. But it was just such a cool experience, and to also just have you know, someone that our state is really, really proud of, and to get to see him and, and his wife, you know, kind of in a in a moment of of not having to work you know what i mean sure. it was was really awesome and encouraging as he then left to go you know just try to make things better for all of us during this very difficult time so it was it was really a cool fun kind of experience um that i hadn't done before i hadn't done like a wine tasting via zoom before well i don't think many people probably have before the last <laughs> few months yeah, no, it's it's probably true. <laughs> I'll tell you what's intriguing to me about it is uh, a, a wine tasting where you're not worrying about how you're going to drive home or who's going to do it. It was fabulous. And I will say we were quite cheery, we'll say, in the Post family after the wine tasting. And we kept drinking our wine. Um, I'm surprised my head feels okay today. But no, it was it was fun. And it made decorating the tree really fun. We were getting sentimental and silly. And we FaceTimed some of my parents' uh, neighbors who they're really good friends with. And, and we got sentimental and silly with them, too. And I, I kept going up and showing them the ornaments, like up click, just completely interrupting the conversation, like with ornament to the camera and this like is nice the one and Anna made when and she so was we're putting seven. this one up look at this one and so you know the conversation goes on and then you hear "Ooh, i love that one and then it goes back and then i go hang something it was i could have been five years old like it was it was very fun sounds like the holidays <laughs> it was a, it was a good night and speaking of holidays we have to wish everybody who celebrates hanukkah a happy hanukkah absolutely the festival of lights and for those of us in these northern climes there could be no more appropriate time to think about lighting some candles the days are so short i cannot wait for this solstice moment when we actually start to get a little bit more light every day but until then i think we probably have some questions to get to I think we do. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. 
There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND, that's 802-858-5463, or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we're at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. Our first question this week is about shopping for siblings, and it came via Instagram. My significant other is lovely, but not too helpful in this respect. When I ask them whether I should plan to get gifts for their siblings, they say they had no idea. In fact, it hadn't occurred to them to consider getting a gift for their sibling's fiancé until we had this conversation. My family is very into giving gifts to everyone, so I think we're also coming from different backgrounds in this sense. So, given all of this, what should I do in terms of deciding whether to give gifts to my significant other's siblings? And how can I manage this while ensuring the siblings feel as comfortable as possible? Thank you for your help. Sincerely, Agonized Gifter. Agonized Gifter, let's take the, 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 the agonizing part out of it. Because it sounds like you and your family have that really fun spirit of generosity with gift giving where it, it is kind of fun to go big or to to just get really into it. And it, it can be really hard when you're met with a partner's family who, who maybe is or a partner even who isn't that way, almost like a little deflating. And then I can understand the feeling of, of uncertainty of how then would gifts and gifting be received. And I think that we have a solution for you. My vote, Dan, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, is to start small. Yeah. And to maybe do a little tradition of 
a baked good or if you're crafty, we should say if you're quality crafty, a homemade item or, you know, a very small item that kind of anyone could use. And I don't mean like just hand warmers, but maybe they're like nicely sewn hand warmers or something <laughs> as opposed to, you know, the pack that I get from Costco. Um, but but doing some kind of a, a little gift, uh, that, and it's I, I would probably recommend doing the same thing for all um, or all the, the households that would be gathering. So starting small. And then as you get to know them better, as they get to know you as a gift giver better, you can start to get more personal with the items, you know, and I have a feeling, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. but I have a feeling that starting in this way where you start with a small gift that's kind of for everyone or the same gift for everybody, people aren't going to feel as like, oh my gosh, I didn't get this person anything. What should I do? You know, oh, this this is awkward. Do we have to start getting gifts for this person now? I think it's really, um, it, it's it's sort of, I don't know. I think the way that delivery happens, same gift to everyone or a big gift that everyone can share, it kind of just totally to me shows that generosity of spirit as opposed to a confusion about reciprocity. You know what I mean? I really do because – and. I'm so appreciating the advice that you're giving. You're you're getting uh, directly to the advice I would ultimately resolve to. So in some ways, we're playing <laughs> totally. our classic roles on this question. But I I, I, <laughs> I I was getting to a very similar place. I love that idea of starting small. And um, from sort of a core etiquette concept, we've talked on this show a lot about gift giving not needing to be reciprocal. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that advice is delivered to the party who's receiving the gift and doesn't have anything prepared. Mm -hmm. And the the tone and the spirit of that advice is it's okay. <laughs> you don't need to feel bad. <laughs> yes. You can you can enjoy that gift, you can receive it, you can appreciate where it came from and and you don't need to feel bad about the fact that you're not reciprocating in that moment right then. And the the only etiquette requirement of you is an appropriate thank you. At the same time, if you're entering a situation like this as a gift giver with a little pre-knowledge that it's likely it won't be a reciprocal exchange, I like your idea of moderating your impulses so that you don't risk putting someone else in that uncomfortable position. I think that's a really considerate, thoughtful way to proceed. You don't need to not do the thing, but moderating it a little bit makes so much sense to me, both in terms of observing those sort of classic traditional etiquette guidelines and maintaining those traditions and sharing this experience that you really love and treasure with people that you love and treasure. I can't respond to a question like this and not tell a personal story. And <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> so Pooja and I come from very different backgrounds and she grew up celebrating Christmas as an American secular holiday. So she has some experience of it, but it wasn't a, a cornerstone of her sort of holiday experience growing up the way it was for me. And we both met each other and went through our first several Christmases together as sort of serious romantic partners and then as um, an engaged couple and then as That's a married couple. <laughs> and the each year there's been a version of this question that's emerged. And I've done almost exactly what we have advised here. And there was definitely some communication that went on around that. Most of it happened through Pooja um, so that her family felt comfortable receiving the gifts, didn't feel like there was a requirement to reciprocate. 
That was a helpful yeah. part of that because we were having a pretty open dialogue about that at the time. It was relatively easy to, to get that in there. Well, wait, but I have to interrupt you in this part of the story and say, you all need to understand that for my cousin, this th- this is like really holding back because he loves gift giving at Christmas time, especially like like I'm the one sitting here saying, oh, Thanksgiving, that big meal. That's my favorite holiday. And Dan's going, no, 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 no. Getting gifts for people is so much fun. It's like, I mean, he's a kid in a candy store with a blank list and like filling out that list, figuring out what it is, just nailing it on gifts for people is like such a point of of your character and how you like to celebrate this time of year. And I I could imagine it being kind of like, like screeching brakes, scratched record to kind of find out, wait a minute, you guys don't like go, go do like Christmas Palooza. Like, you know what I mean? And there's a risk that I could make people feel uncomfortable doing that. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to give the happy ending to the story from, from, from my perspective, I think from everyone's and that's the, this year. And we're now people who've listened to the show for a long time can do the math six years in. Maybe like approaching seven, depending on whether you count that first year, sort of how you count that first year. But it's (laughs) been so much fun for me this year to watch Pooja just delighting in the kind of gift giving that I came into our relationship liking to do. And and, and, and watching her not just doing it because it's something that I do, but something that she's genuinely taking pleasure in. And it's been so much fun for both of us to sit there with the list of the siblings and to do exactly what our question asked her asked about. So the other the other thing I just have to say is from personal experience, have some patience, give this some time and you can spread this generous spirit. <laughs> it's catching. <laughs> it, it, it's quite contagious. <laughs> Agonized gift giver, we hope that we are able to take the agony out of the giving and that you and your partner and the entire extended family have a fabulous and safe holiday. This is just a quick break to remind you that our books make excellent gifts this holiday season. Whether someone's just gotten engaged, secured their first job, are just learning their magic words, or are etiquette geeks like us, our library of books has something for everyone. Head to emilypost.com, our gorgeous new website, to place your order now. While you're there, pick up something for yourself, too. And now, back to the show. Our next question is about being careful with candy. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I work in an office, and with so many people teleworking during the pandemic, it's often just me and one coworker in the building. My coworker, M, is super sweet. She often brings me treats like cookies and candies, and I'm so touched that she's thinking of me. But I kind of wish she wouldn't, as I'm trying to get into better shape. I don't want to reject her kindness, but I also don't want to have chocolates on my desk staring at me. Normally, I'd give the candies away, but in quarantine, there's no one around to give them to. Is there a nice way for me to respond to this? I'm hesitant to tell Em that I'm working on my fitness because the last thing I want to do is hurt her feelings. Thanks and stay safe in 2020. Kate. Kate, thank you so much for this, what I'm going to call a classic question. It's totally classic. And it's a classic question that I don't think we've talked about in several years here on the podcast. 
It feels like it's been a while, and and that might just be because of the, so many people are working from home. We haven't had as many office questions, but yeah, I'm I'm feeling you. It's been a long time since we've had this one, and I'm sure that the that feeling of being with just one other person makes it feel like a more personal situation in some ways. I mean, it, there there might be other relationships that are that close, but I can see how the one on one the one on one <laughs> nature of this sort of raises yeah. the stakes a little bit, and. The added little twist of that there's no option for me to give these away to someone who would really appreciate them, which would often be the first line advice on this, which is you receive the gift well and then maybe put them away so they're not staring at you, reminding yourself, exercising that discipline in whatever way works for you, whether it's you know putting them out of sight or out of reach, um, but you receive the gift and then figure out what to do with it that's appropriate for you. It doesn't feel exactly right or, or or feasible in this situation. The other etiquette concern that I think you've really accurately identified is that you don't want to be ungenerous. You don't want to be sort of curmudgeonly and refusing gifts that are given in good spirit. It, it, it's a bit of a rock and a hard place. <laughs> it can definitely feel like it's a rock and a hard place. However, this is also one where the stakes aren't terribly high. I'm, I, it, it doesn't sound to me like these are homemade treats, maybe. Maybe they are. But it more sounds like a one coworker sh- sharing with another just a little pick-me-up. You know what I mean? These aren't like high stakes, like beautifully gorgeous made cakes that you're rejecting, you know? But I think that it is important for you to stand up for what works for you. And before the next round of treats come... I would let her know that you've decided to make some changes and that while you have loved her sweet treats in the past, if you feel you can say that, you'd love to find a different way to connect or share a little encouragement moving forward. And, you know, that's at least a way to start the conversation without saying, I'm working out, I'm, you know, watching my calories, I can't be tempted by chocolate. To instead just say, I'm making some changes, and while while I've you know I've I've really appreciated the gesture, I would love to replace it with a different tradition between the two of us, or something like that, you know, a different exchange, whatever you think works well for your own language and situation. But I think letting someone know that you do want to change this because it is so directly one on one right now. I, I think it is the way to go if it's truly bothering you and you can't, as Dan had said, do things like put the chocolates away and give them to someone else or get them, you know, out of sight, out of mind, that kind of a thing. You know, maybe it's that you bring them home. I, I, I just don't know what would work. <laughs> um, but I think that those are the kinds of things you can start looking towards to to change the interaction that you're having with this person, but still let them know you've enjoyed the idea behind it. You know what I mean? And the little connection or the thought behind it but that you are trying to do some things in your life to not invite things like chocolate into your world regularly. I love that idea of having the conversation in a way that communicates information before you're asking for changes necessarily. Well, and even before the next moment where those chocolates are in front of you, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where it's so that it's not quite so much like you've now got, oh, okay, well, then I'll take them back. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have that kind of awkward moment if you address the situation when it's not being handed to you right then, you know? A framing that sometimes works for a conversation like that is something along Mm -hmm. the lines of asking someone to help you 
help yourself or help you do something yeah. that you're working on. Get in on it with them, you know? <laughs> so it, the, the, the request becomes an affirmative, positive request of them. Yeah. And you just need to do enough of the, the staging work ahead of time so that they understand that request when it comes. Kate, good for you for setting goals and thinking about ways to both stick with them and be polite to other people in your life. This little girl's mother told her never to take candy from strangers. Well, she forgot, but her brother didn't. He started to yell. Remember that, kids, it's a good trick. Our next question is about a smart speaker situation. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I was curious if this etiquette issue is new or has been around since smart speakers and now is happening more often. This is best clarified by describing a recent interaction with my husband. We were sitting listening to Christmas music on the Alexa speaker and it stopped playing. I asked it to resume. Then my husband immediately followed up with a different request. <laughs> Which request is priority? We both feel like it happens on the regular. Thanks. I love this podcast. Lisa. Oh, Lisa, this is, I have to answer yes to your question because it is both a new issue and it's been around um, for a long time, not just in smart speakers, but this is like classic, like who gets the remote? Who do you know, what station are we going to listen to on the car ride? You know, um, I, I'm just going to go way out there and say, set up a scoreboard. <laughs> like, you know, who changes the diaper? You did it last. Okay. I get to, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think that this is classic, you know, you're trying to share a device, share, uh, in, in this case, enjoyment. Um, whether or not that music is on is the question of what, whether or not it's enjoyable. <laughs> I think, I think you did say, Lisa, different request. And that doesn't necessarily mean the opposite of what you had said, um, to the, to the speaker. But I mean, Dan, what do you think? Isn't this just classic? Who gets the remote? Like, I love your who the gets the remote idea. <laughs> And like the who gets the remote question, I think there are so many it depends. There is no <laughs> no way to answer this question. And I, I started to do this like hierarchy in my head because that's the way I think <laughs> where I was saying, well, well, who started it? Who 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 initiated? Was it a program that someone had put on and they were watching? Because I think then they have some prerogative if it's not finished yet. Oh, but if it's Who's a music. Who was in the living room first? <laughs> that just goes on continuously forever, then there might be some priority around when you would interrupt that to do something. So is the thing that is um, interrupting a discrete task or is it a different channel? <laughs> These sorts of things, I think, are relevant and they do matter in terms of the, the specifics of the behavior. Is it rude or is it polite? Mm -hmm. the, the action isn't rude or polite. It's how you do it, really, that matters. This one to me might be one that, that could be solved with a little communication ahead of time. So what if you're, you know, looking at, at your living room with the Christmas tree and you're thinking, boy, it'd be nice to just sit in there with some Christmas music on and, you know, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever you like to do as you, as you cozy up and feel the spirit of the holidays. But you might, before just putting the music on, say, hey, I'd love to listen to some Christmas music. Do you mind? Or, you know, like, you know, is would that be all right with you? And you just kind of get the other person's buy-in. And, you know, your sweetheart might pop up and say, I'd love to, but I can really only take it for like half an hour. Is it okay if we shut it off after that? And now we've got a little bit of like negotiation, just like what show are we going to watch, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
you propose the idea, you know, you recognize that it might have an impact on the other people that you live with, and you try to work around how to get what you'd like out of it while also not just, you know, having them sit and be like, oh, this is going on again. And I don't know that that's what Lisa's husband was thinking during the during the exchange, but... Um, but I think that I, I just I think it's a good way to go is to kind of like anytime you're going to fill a space with noise is to kind of get some people's buy in or at least check in with them first. You know, I like that idea. The sort of on the flip side of that equation, as opposed to the the atmosphere creating effect of some choices that you make with voice commands. I think mm-hmm. there are some I'm, I'm thinking of those moments when we're all in the kitchen. And yeah. we're listening to music and I say, Alexa, how many cups are in a quart? And Alexa <laughs> and gives me the, the answer. <laughs> and if my phone is plugged in sitting on the counter, I might say, Siri, how many cups are in a quart? So I don't interrupt that music. There's a certain courtesy to to not doing it if you don't have to. Yeah. And at the same time, the way we use that Alexa in the kitchen in our house is about so many immediate tasks as well. Mm-hmm. That the idea that mm-hmm. you wouldn't do those things just because there was music playing wouldn't necessarily fit our rhythm. And that's something that also you might clear up just by mentioning it when it's not happening. You know, it's got me thinking about the fact like, right, I'm in I'm in my house alone with my speaker, so I get full rain over it. And, you know, I found that the few times where I was able to have somebody over before we kind of went into major social distancing up here. I remember feeling a little awkward when I would say something like to t- I just tell Alexa to start a timer, even if I was cooking with my friend, you know, and it's like that's no it's, it's not that it's no different from me just setting the timer. It's the modern version of it or it's the smart speaker version of it. But it was funny having to issue a, a command to the smart speaker, a request to the smart speaker in front of someone else. I don't have to do that very often. You and Pooj are probably, you know, like used to hearing each other kind of shout out to the speaker. Like when you were telling you're like, you know, if I'm in the kitchen making something, maybe I'll say it to Siri on my phone instead of Alexa on the smart speaker that everyone's listening to, you know, good music to or with. And I was thinking, or what about if your hands aren't sticky and covered in flour or something like that? You know, just doing the actual search on your phone so that you're not even interrupting with the command to something. I'm very curious about this, this like command slash request interruption that it's a vocal interruption that we have to do to check on something like a how many cups in a whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. It's different. <laughs> it is. And there are some of those natural parallels to – I'm going to go back to your remote analogy. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. if someone's watching TV, you don't walk in front of them between them and the TV repeatedly <laughs> if you don't need to. That, you know, if that there's an so equally true. easy path around the back of the room, you take that. And yeah, these are the, the, the circumstantial things that – there are so many. It depends. I don't think there's a firm answer. And I think there's a lot of etiquette involved. I think in any particular situation, it could be rude or polite, the choice that you make. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I think it's worth sussing out some of those things. And I totally. think it's hard to say, oh, yeah, the second person who's the most recent request gets the priority because they were last. So they're first. <laughs> 
Lisa, while we can't solve exactly who should take the priority, we hope that this conversation helps you and your husband figure out how to handle the smart speaker. Etiquette is usually defined as conventional requirements as to social behavior, proprieties of conduct as established in any class or community or for any occasion. For more, ask me to give you more definitions for etiquette. Did that answer your question? Our next question is titled, Holiday Tips for Housekeepers. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I was intrigued by the question today about tipping during the pandemic, and it led me to ask this question about tipping during the holidays. About a year ago, I started using a cleaning service every other week. I know people tip their housekeepers during the holidays, but I'm not sure what to do in this situation. The lady I contracted with initially owns the company and has several crews of four to five cleaners. I'm not sure how to split up the tip between that many people. Plus, I don't have the same cleaning crew every time. Do you have any suggestions? Thank you so much, Amy. It's a great question. Amy, thanks so much for submitting this. And this is one of those questions that has some classic etiquette answers. Mm -hmm. Whether you're thinking about someone who's new in your life or someone you've worked with for many years, the general tipping guideline around an annual or holiday tip is that you think of the cost of a single service. So you can start off with that number in mind if you're talking about a bi-monthly or every other week cleaning I would think roughly the cost of that service is a good amount to be sort of using as a baseline for your tip. Of course, you can always be more generous if you're feeling inspired in that way. Of course, you can also look at your budget if you can't afford that much. It's definitely something that you want to think about. Tipping shouldn't ever put you in a a financially burdensome position either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Either way, your impulse to offer some sort of gratuity is – admirable and good and you should follow through on it and we can help you work through the difficulties that you mentioned whether you're giving a monetary tip or a note of thanks and some homemade goodies treats (laughs) Um, and definitely i think that monetary tip is is often really appreciated um i think so yeah that you send it with the note of appreciation or thanks in a case like this to that owner who you had the initial contact with and you tell them how much you've appreciated the service that you didn't know how to split the tip up between the different service providers um, and that you wanted to give it to to her and the organization to distribute as they saw fit or fair and that is your, your best option in a situation like this. And I think you just have to trust that that they're going to make good choices about that because they have more information and a better ability to do that than you do. Oh, Dan. Oh, Dan. Do I come in and tell you I think I have a better option? Is Please. it OK? Please. I liked so much of what you said, but I do think that there is one other thing that you could do that that might help ensure that this tip gets directly to the people who are spending the time cleaning your house. And that is to call and ask that person you initially contracted with or whomever answers. It it might be someone in reception um, and say, hey, listen, I know that I have a number of different people who clean my house and I would really love to give a holiday tip or holiday thank you. But I didn't know how to get it directly to them. What's the best way? I like your idea, Lizzie Post. It's one of those things where you have what Dan said. There's nothing wrong with what Dan said to do. And, and it's it's why it's just a, a another way to go. But it 
it allows you the chance to find out. They might let you know, oh, the tips are pooled. You can just send them here, um, and we distribute them evenly among the crews. Or they might tell you the specific people who have come to your house, and you might be able to then write an individual card and insert your tip, you know, and then send that to, to wherever kind of headquarters is. They might even say, oh, just the next time they come, that crew that's there, you can leave the tip with them and they'll bring it back and we'll divide it up among everyone. But it's not dissimilar to when you go to a salon or a spa service and you've had multiple people work mm -hmm. on you and, and, and do that kind of stuff where you ask at the front desk, do I tip them individually? You know, is there a line for each person or does it all get divided up? Um, and you figure out kind of what the policy is there. Either way, I think it's it's fantastic that you've been able to engage this service this year and that you've appreciated it and that you want to help spread the joy and, and really make the season um, one about gratitude. Lizzie Post, can I tell you why I love your idea so much? Why? Because it gives Yes, the, you can. Because, Dan, I will take praise any day of the week lately, so well, please tell me. <laughs> it, it gives the proprietor, the owner, the chance to offer to do for you what I was suggesting you ask them to do for you. Oh, there you go. I didn't think of it as that kind of a difference, but I'm seeing what you're saying, yeah. I mean, that's that's the way it feels to me, that in one case you're saying, listen, it, it's not easy for me to do this. Can you help? Um, mm -hmm. but, but you're, you're asking that by dropping it in their lap as opposed to an anticipatory kind of question about the best way to do it. And the risk there is that you might end up with more of that work on your plate. Oh yeah, here are the six addresses <laughs> and you can now divide up that tip that you were going to offer. And my guess is based on the fact that you're seeking the answer to this question, you'd be willing to do that. And I think that's good etiquette. Anytime particularly in a case like this where you're looking to show appreciation, mm -hmm. your willingness to take on that work is part of your communication about how much you appreciate it. And I like the refinement, Lizzie Post. Well done. And one of the things we do try to suggest that you do is that you 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 want to have that goal of getting the tip directly to the person if you can. And we often really like to give people the benefit of the doubt but it is true that, that there are tips that go missing sometimes. And the more sure you can be that your tip got directly to the person that it was supposed to go to, often the better kind of closing of that, that wonderful exchange that you're trying to create. Amy, thank you so much for this question. It gives us a chance to dive a little deeper into a very important topic this time of year. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are awesomeetiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we're hearing a response from a question last week about writing dedications in books. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. 
I heard your most recent show and wanted to offer some feedback in response to the person who asked about writing dedications in books that they give to people as gifts. As a voracious bookworm, I had to chime in. If I opened a brand new book to see writing inside, even if it was a kind note from a gift giver, it would feel a bit like seeing graffiti on a beautiful white fence. I feel that the decision about writing in a book should be left up to the owner of the book, as people seem to have varying and sometimes strong opinions about marking up their books. You address the fact that writing in a book can affect its resale value, but I also wanted to mention that I think books with writing inside tend to be more difficult to rehome. When buying used books myself, I'm more hesitant to purchase them if they have writing inside. If someone wants to include a note inside a book they're giving as a gift, why not put a post-it note inside, or tuck a little note or card inside the book? That way, if the gift recipient wants to keep the note inside the book to remind them of the gift giver, they can do so. If they'd rather take the note out and re-gift or donate the book somewhere, this gives them the option to do that. Just my two cents from a bookworm who doesn't write in their books. <laughs> a bookworm who doesn't write in their books, we are happy to, to hear your opinion. And for any other bookworms who are out there, we would love to hear from you too. I do. I like the idea of the, of the card because it gives the option but I also there's there's a part of me that that likes seeing that writing. So I'll be I'll hold the other opinion on the on the writing and the dedications on the inside of the books. <laughs> Bookworm, thanks so much for the feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about spoons. Spoons? Spoons! We are. Margaret Visser has a wonderful section in her book, uh, The Rituals of Dinner. And it's found on pages 194 and 195. And it is it is all about spoons. And it actually carries on longer, but I'm, I'm going to try to keep it long but short, I guess we're going to say, Dan. Long but short for this postscript. That sounds good. <laughs> Visser begins. The spoon is the safest, most comfortable member of the cutlery set. It is the easiest implement to use. Babies start with spoons. And the one with the most versatility, which is the reason why its employment is constantly being restricted. Spoons are for liquids, porridge, and puddings, even the last being often given over to forks. Insofar as spoons have an infantile image, they lack prestige. A Freudian analysis of the knife, fork, and spoon gives the spoon the female role in the trio. The fork, if I understand the writer correctly, is a male child of the knife and the spoon. And like a little Oedipus resentful of the knife and jealous of the spoon... Social historians are puzzled by medieval paintings of banquets which show knives but seldom spoons, although we know that spoons were often used. It has been suggested, and Visser writes unconvincingly, I think, that knives might simply have impressed the painters more. Spoons seem, at any rate, not to have been laid down on the table's surface as knives were. Isn't that interesting? That Like, it didn't seem like spoons actually made it to the table. You know what I mean? They were kind of like in dishes, I'm assuming. In dishes or hands. Or hands. They might just stay in hands. That's a good point. But no rest for them. I find that fascinating. Carrying on. 
But spoons can inspire affection as knives and forks cannot. They are unthreatening, nurturing objects. Superstitions about them show that they are subconsciously regarded as little persons. Two on one saucer means an imminent wedding. Dropping one on the table means a visitor is coming, and so on. Spoon handles, more than knife or fork handles, are made in the shape of human figures, as in the sets of twelve apostle spoons. The Welsh traditionally made love spoons carved with the lover's hands, which they gave to each other as tokens. And an old English custom at Christmas was for all the diners to hold up their spoons and wish health to absent friends. Spoons were customarily classed with cups and bowls. Spoons have always been popular as presents and commemorations, whereas knives are often superstitiously avoided as gifts, and forks somehow fail still to stand on their own as spoons and knives can. I also thought that was pretty interesting. I've known, Dan, about the thing that when you give a knife to someone as a gift, you're supposed to give it with a penny that they give back to you so that they've bought the knife for you from you so that you don't sever the relationship. Like not like giving someone a knife was like a sign of severing a relationship. Isn't that interesting? Learn something new every day. <laughs> a spoon is a bowl with an arm attached. The earliest spoon being a cupped human hand. Every race on earth has made itself spoons out of seashells, coconut shells, bones, gourds, amber, ivory, stones ranging from agate to jasper. Many kinds of woods and metal, porcelain, tortoiseshell, either cut or boiled and pressed horn, and even basketry. The word spoon, however, means in Old English, a chip of wood. And many spoons have been flat spatulas, like those provided with ice cream tubs, or like the blades of eating, and that's in quotes, knives. The flat spoons of some North American Indian bands could be so large that they were used partly as plates. Spoon bowls have been made in many forms, from round all the way to banana-shaped. Margaret Visser, take us further down the rabbit hole of spoons, please. <laughs> I know. I've got one more paragraph for you to end it on. The fig-shaped spoon bowl was roughly triangular with the handle attached to the pointed end and the front end almost straight. It was introduced to Europe during the Middle Ages from the Eastern Mediterranean. Only wooden cooking spoons are still commonly made in this ancient shape. It probably reflected the practice of drinking from the front end of the spoon, a usage which is still correct in many European countries. The British and North Americans treat the bowl of a soup spoon like a cup and drink from the side of it. French visitors to Britain often express their fascination with this mannerism. The word ladle means the bearer of a larger-than-usual load of food or drink. Ladles, like most spoons made for dipping into deep bowls, are usually provided with upward-turning stems. Modern oval-shaped spoons with horizontal ladles became conventional in the 18th century. They mark the transition to the custom of eating most commonly from flat or shallow plates. Huh! Lizzie Post, I'm so enjoying hearing this section. <laughs> I've often talked in the course of teaching dining etiquette about um, eating off the side of the spoon versus eating off the front of the spoon. And to 
sort of the North American or English eye, that eating off the front of the spoon seems a little strange. It's childish. Like, here comes the airplane. And right. <laughs> the, the idea that there's a, a distinction within the European community and that to have some idea of where that difference comes from, that's the sort of thing I just love. I love to learn that and I love to know it and be able to share it with people. Thank you for bringing this to our show. No problem. I loved all the, the little thing, like the idea of the, the, the Freudian utensil set. You know what I mean? Well, she anthropomorphizes the, and then does an analysis of them, which is remarkable. Yeah. No, it is It is really fun. And it's a section worth going to and, and carrying on with because I do love how she talks about form. She talks about function. I mean, it's a history book. So she's giving you really how we got to where we are, which is, you know, for us, at least here in North America, you know, how our spoons then connect to our very flat plates, you know, and I think I I just I do find it fascinating. I love dipping into this book. I have one other section that I was I was thinking about doing for next week's show on feasts and, and sort of at festival times and things like that. And it's I, I just I love the depth that she goes into with everything. And she then like drops in these lovely little bits of humor or her own thoughts, for instance, that we heard twice in this one. And it, it does make it such an enjoyable way to learn about things that we have used since before we knew what they were called. You know what I mean? Like a spoon has been a part of your life, your entire life, pretty much no matter who you are. And it's fascinating to think that we don't know very much about how they came to be. <laughs> well, we know a little more now, and I was going to ask you to keep finding us these gems, so um, consider yourself encouraged to return with more Margaret Visser. <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> Holidays are days to be glad, and all good manners are ways to make people glad. We like to offer help, or to help when asked. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Meg. Hi Lizzie and Dan, I have an etiquette salute. It's a little overdue, but better late than never. Earlier this past spring, I was volunteering at a local tree planting. Early on in the project, one of my fellow volunteers in the group pulled out his phone to start taking some pictures and video. Before doing so, he quickly explained that he was a local rapper and very into his social media. He asked if we minded him taking video and photos of our work as we might be in some of the pictures. No one in my group minded, but I really thought that the consideration he had to ask us and allow us the space to decline being in photos was very thoughtful. I thought this was a lovely showcase of modern etiquette. Thank you for your excellent show. I absolutely love it. Happy holidays, Meg. Oh, Meg, that just brings a smile to my face. I love stories like this. It's it's simple. It's modern. It's etiquette. It's people taking half a second to just be thoughtful. And it's I, I love it. I love it. It's great inspiration, especially for this time of year when a lot of people are rushing around and forgetting to do things like ask, do you mind if I take this picture and post it? Awesome, awesome, awesome salute. Thank you so much, Meg. And thank you for listening. 
thank you to everyone who sent us something, and thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share the show with friends and family and coworkers or anyone who you think might be interested in awesome etiquette. You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find Awesome Etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.